man. This is the Quillcast. I'm Chris. And I'm Will. And I'm Zio. And uh, Zio, you want to tell people on, in our audience uh, who you are and what you do? I'm Zio of Zio Gaming, and I talk about nerd news and occasionally play video games. That's it. <laughs> and uh, he does some really interesting commentary on gaming news. And if you ever tune into his, his program, he goes pretty in-depth on it. So definitely check him out. Um, mm-hmm. So today is what, Will? It's Manic Monday. And I have a cool new background and a fuzzy head. <laughs> his uh, his head is slowly melting away. Um, yes. you know, uh, <laughs> today we're going to be covering the the kind of surprise drop of Halo Combat Evolved Anniversary on both Steam and Windows slash Microsoft Store. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we get started with that, I got a couple quick topics. And I think uh, Zio might have more interesting things to say than I will, but I'm going to at least open up the topic. The NVIDIA GeForce games keep dropping, and gaming journalism doesn't seem to care. I, yeah, I, don't, I don't know much. why it's underreported. Or, like, they're basically <laughs> aligning with the developers of the games that are being pulled from this. It doesn't hurt their bottom line. I don't get it. People yeah, are still neither buying. do I. Um, 2K was the latest thing to drop just recently. Uh, I think it was Friday that it fell out that the 2K games dropped all their games as well. There's a whole list of everything they're no longer allowing to work on the service. But other than renting a PC, the service does nothing for the games anyway. So I don't understand why they're all running away or leaving the service other than greed and maybe ignorance. So It doesn't make any sense to me. The, no. the, only, the only thing I can think of that these developers would have is essentially because you're using a remote PC to play these games... The games are being installed on PCs that don't necessarily have the licenses for it, aside from like your personal PC, and then being allowed to stream over the cloud from that PC not owned by the individual. That's the only thing I think they have. Other than that, it's just a nice service for people that already own the games. I don't know if Steam yeah, puts a limit to the number of computers you can have. Well, I mean, um, as far as I'm aware, Steam doesn't. I don't it's think just so. pretty much remote play. So you own the game, you own the license. They're taking mm-hmm. your game, you know, uh, essentially beaming it into their PC, which is them beaming back to you to whatever you're playing on, to put it simply, I guess. Well, it does install <laughs> to the remote PC. You just don't see it because it installs so quick. Or maybe they already have most of the Steam library downloaded somewhere and just automatically beam it. But yeah, because I talked to one of my buddies that bought this service, and when he would click on a game, it would take it a minute for the NVIDIA PC that you're remoting in from to install it. Mm. So ah. I know that it, in, it installs a, a copy of the application on the PC from which it is streaming from. Because it's not your PC that it's streaming from. That's what I'm saying. I think that's the only thing yeah. that developers could really, if they wanted to go toe-to-toe with NVIDIA on this service, that they could really complain about. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, all you're doing is logging into your stuff through their PC, essentially, and then yep. it's installing onto that, and then you're playing it. So, you know, you can play it on the potato you have behind you or something <laughs> and be just yep. fine. <laughs> so th- that was the only thing. I, I was trying to think about it from, like, a technology standpoint. Um, the only thing I could think of besides that is if Google is just like, hey, guys, pull your stuff from this service. We're willing to pay you more money. Yeah, that's probably <laughs> what it is. That actually might be a thing. So. Stadia wants in on that. And maybe, mm-hmm. yeah. That's just my two thoughts on that. 
And then the second thing is that Ori and the Will of the Wisps will be dropping for PC and Xbox One on March 11th. That would be... I'm very excited for this. What day is that? <laughs> uh, there's Wednesday. 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 So Wednesday, we will be having a new Ori game. Yep. And the first, first one, one was amazing, and I'm looking forward to the second one. That's right. Will recommended this on a previous episode. I forgot about mm-hmm. that. All right. So on to our main topic. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I cut you off? No, no, I was going to ask. Is Ori the one with the wolf? Huh? No. Okay. There's no wolf in the no first one. It there is. is a, I think there's a wolf in I the trailer. The second one. Up. <laughs> <laughs> all good. Um, I knew Will would be excited, so I put it in there. Um, mm-hmm. All right. So on to our main topic. In a surprise post on March 3rd, 2020, Halo Combat Evolved Anniversary was announced and released. The post on Steam received around 3,500 likes and 500 comments within 24 hours of the original release. Um, I don't have any sales numbers, uh, definitive sales numbers anywhere right Mm -hmm. now, but I could probably find that if we want to discuss that later. Um, According to Hidden Xperia on Twitter, though, it was like like the top game of the day for a couple days in a row. Um, The Halo Combat Evolved Anniversary is a reimagining of the original game that was released on the Xbox 360 years ago now remade for Steam and Microsoft Windows 10 Store as part of the Master Chief Collection. It was also originally the Xbox title that kind of sold me on the Xbox, but... <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so what we want to talk about today, um, what does this being dropped as a surprise do for us as gamers trying to buy stuff? I mean, you can't plan ahead for that. You know what I mean? Like, you're, mm-hmm. not, you're not like... Like, for me... Persona 5 Royals been coming out March 31st since I found out about it last November. So I've already planned to buy that. Like Halo dropping surprisingly like that, it would be a super impulse buy for me to grab that right now. So for me, it was I like, think you already have it if you have uh, Reach. Because yeah. I think you had to buy the entire Master Chief Collection to get Reach. Nope. Not true. I had two options I could buy the Master Chief Collection or I could buy Reach. Okay. I think most people bought the whole thing in anticipation, though. So it's. I guess, and also, I'm not super surprised that this was a surprise drop because it's, I don't think it's going to be as big a deal as Reach or the other couple games that are coming out. And also, this was the PC version of this game, not the original Xbox version. So it's already on PC architecture. So I don't think it would be that hard to transfer, which is why this is a quick turnaround from Reach to this one. Wait, what? I thought this was yeah, the this, anniversary update. It is anniversary, but it's based off of Halo PC. So they just... But, yeah. Uh, it's the anniversary update. You can go between the classic and the updated graphics with it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's part of the Master Chief Edition for like thirty nine ninety nine, or you can get it separate for nine ninety nine. Uh, so it's not too expensive to grab. But you know, again, nobody knew it was coming. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna skip lunch today and buy it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but the thing that got me was. Um, if it is legit, the PC version, that's highly customizable versus the Xbox version. Yeah. And it's the same thing with Halo 2. I believe that's also the one, the PC version of that game. So what do they apply the anniversary update to the PC build? Yeah. Yeah. If people are, There's going to be some bugs. Kind of a, There's going to be bugs. controversy when it originally launched on the Xbox, like the anniversary edition of launch, launch of Xbox, because it was not the Xbox version that they remastered. Oh, really? Yeah. That that makes a lot more sense now. Why there was, like I remember there being a little bit of outrage about the anniversary build. So is the PC build? Yeah, I can't yeah. tell. I can't tell the difference, but I guess some people can. Like huh. weapons are slightly different. I don't. I don't exactly know. 
All right. So the features are PC setting optimizations. Uh, Halo Combat Evolved Anniversary is now optimized for the PC, looking better than ever, up to 4K, mm. 60 frames plus. Mm-hmm. Um, other PC uh, narrative settings include customizable mouse and keyboard support, ultra-wide support, field of vision customization, and more. And you can toggle between the remastered graphics in the Anniversary Edition or the graphics of the original. Yeah, I'm really glad they kept that for the MCC and on Steam. So cool. you, know, you can't have Halo without multiplayer. So <laughs> there's uh, 19 unforgettable maps to choose from. So there's that. <laughs> so the real question is, did they bring the, uh, was it the, um, I know my brain's not working. Uh, was it Fire, Firefight? Did they bring the Firefight to PC? I don't remember. Huh? Well, does Reach have Fire? Yeah, Reach has it, I believe. No, but I thought uh, that the Halo Anniversary came with a Firefight side game oh it does yeah it has with the reach firefight yeah yeah like a couple reach maps because when it originally launched it did not have the halo uh ce uh multiplayer multiplayer. Mm -hmm. also if you're going to buy this on steam apparently you have to have the master chief collection be able to play it yep you get the whole 40 dollar pack on Steam. yeah you've got to have the whole thing yeah I, i just i just went through the windows store which apparently that's not the right way to go if you want to be able to play with more people because yeah <laughs> although you'd think with xbox live and the steam integration with it you'd be able to find people from the steam version easily so i don't know i haven't played around with that sure. too much mm-hmm. they kept lanco up apparently i didn't know that until just now <laughs> oh really yeah it offers land co-op land pvp mm-hmm. online co-op steam achievements all that good jazz because I was going to hop into a stream with um, Arash um, a couple, couple days ago, and I kept trying to add him on Xbox Live. He's like, oh, yeah, this is my gamer <laughs> tag. And I was like, no, that's your Steam tag. Apparently, you're only playing through Steam. So I, that's the thing that I'm a little annoyed about. I can't figure out how to co uh, how to co-op play with people on Steam yet. I, I got to look into it a little okay. further. Does it have the ability to? I thought so, because it's all connected through Xbox Live somehow. Uh, it does say when you go to buy it through Steam, it requires a separate service to play online, unless they've changed that recently. Yeah, I don't know if it launched with that feature or if it's coming later. Hmm. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I, I'll look it up on Steam right now. Might as well. Yeah, I'm looking at it. I don't see anything that says anything about needing an additional thing. I just realized, is Steam.com actually the right... I'm going to exit out of this before I go to some... <laughs> you might want to be careful with that. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to double check. Steam MCC requires Xbox Live. Let's find out. But of course, I'd say if you're playing through uh, the Microsoft Store, that probably would connect through. It's usually Steam is where the problem is. As per the information on the Steam page for the game, it will require an Xbox Live account. Thankfully, players will not need Xbox Live Gold. Okay, so you can play via Xbox Live, but you also don't need Xbox Live Gold, which is a requirement for all Xbox consoles to mm-hmm. play online. That's kind of neat. So if yeah. you buy it through Steam or whatever, Microsoft's just really trying to do a favor to all the fans of Halo on PC. I mean, th- this is such an awesome collection of games. I don't know how you can find a better deal for $40 than the Master Chief Collection, provided that it all works right out of the box. Unlike the mm-hmm. Xbox One release. <laughs> yeah, well, now it works. <laughs> so the other thing I want to talk about is 
Um, how much nostalgia, how much do we love the Master Chief Collection overall? Is this something that we can ourselves see ourselves playing? Master yeah, I'm a collection in general. Yeah. Is this I something play that... this thing weekly? <laughs> <laughs> well, and... Halo's the only reason I ever bought an Xbox, so Same. be totally honest, if I had the 40 bucks to spend, I'd slap it down on this. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I have to say, um, the one I'm waiting for in anticipation heavily is Halo 3. Um, mm-hmm. I'm a big fanboy of Halo 3, but that's because I put the most hours into Halo 3. And specifically the campaign, I, I actually probably am one of the few people that spent more time in the campaign of Halo 3 when it launched than multiplayer. <laughs> oh, I definitely spent more time in the campaign because I like the multiplayer in that game. <laughs> I did spend an awful long time on multiplayer. As, as you can see with my uh, Bungie slash Halo Waypoint service record, I spent a ton of time in multiplayer. Oh, my. I, I need to look that up. I wonder what mine looks like. I forgot. <laughs> I got the armor with the Hayabusa armor, whatever it was called, yeah, thing with the sword same. and the flaming helm and stuff. Mm-hmm. I put a ton of time into that game. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was, it was just... It launched at the right time. It launched before the Call of Duty franchises kind of took over online multiplayer yeah. first-person shooters, and yeah. it, it really was the de facto shooter on Xbox at the time. Yeah. Oh yeah, trying to go from this to Call of Duty was really hard oh, yeah. for me anyway, because I'd run in there and drop after getting hit two times. Yeah, like, yeah I, I don't like, have a like shield anymore. Do I? <laughs> Yeah, because you could you could be like a sponge and then hide. Always pretty good with sticky grenades and short range, medium range weapons. So right, I had right. a lot of fun with this game. I also loved that you had the uh, the camera post battle. You could go back and see where was this guy hiding this whole game. Like, yeah, exactly. oh yeah, that there was he was. Amazing. And Call of Duty didn't have anything on that. You you couldn't go back and look at some library and find out where. The person yeah, no, was hiding, theater or yeah, theater mode's awesome. Oh yeah, that so, and uh, editing your own maps. I always love doing that. Mm-hmm. Forge, that was really cool. Mm-hmm. So, overall, what is the long-lasting impact of Halo Combat Evolved and the anniversary re-release on the video game industry as a whole? Um, I know it's a difficult question to answer quickly, but I'm going to give you my quick thought process on this. I think that Halo Anniversary kind of showed people how to do a remaster slash HD re-release correctly when they released the Anniversary Edition of the game. I also think that Halo Combat Evolved showed people in the in, when it first released on the Xbox how to do a first-person shooter on a console correctly. Um, I, I really think that without Halo and without the re-release of Halo, um, People would still be trying to figure out how to do these, do this genre, and also how to remaster a game in high definition correctly, because everybody wants to sit there and improve it. But what did what did uh, Bungie and 343 do with the Halo franchise? They said, "Nope, we're just going to do it exactly the way it was in HD, and let everybody have the nostalgia they had, you know, all over again." I think that's the right way to do it, um, unless you are going to take it and make it different. And then you're going to split the fan base. Mm-hmm. Anybody yeah, can jump well, in. Go ahead and jump in. Yeah. <laughs> I will say that the HD version was not perfect because they changed a lot of the visuals. I didn't say it. perfect. I said it showed people how to do it. I don't even know if I would say that. 
because it changed a lot of the visuals and changed the atmosphere of a lot of levels. However, I like the fact that you can switch back and forth between the old visuals and new. So that was a really cool feature that I think was new. I don't know of any other game that did that at the time. Um, uh, and, you I know, just the added additions of like, achievements and also the different um, uh, terminals that you could find in the skulls, which really, really cool for the Halo series. But as far as the first game, I mean, that first game blew me away. <laughs> That's what really proved that FPS games could uh, exist on the console. Um, I realized, like, at the time, like, I, I was, like, blown away by the story, even though it's so simple. And now you're looking back, it's like, oh, obviously, there are other games with better stories, even at the time. But now there's so many more games with better stories. But at the time, I was like, this is amazing. I mean, I went from playing 007 to this one. Like, oh, this is so cool. Oh, it's like, such an epic upgrade. space opera. Um, and it, it was really neat. And as so many good memories with this game. This is the reason why I got an Xbox. And this is the reason why I still play games, in all honesty. If there wasn't a Halo, I probably wouldn't be playing games at this point. I wouldn't have <laughs> branched out into other genres and other franchises. And it's why I got the 360. It's why I got the Xbox One. <laughs> um, so, again, why I'm still playing games today. So, it had a huge impact on me, at least. And I think it also had a huge impact on the uh, the industry as a whole. Yeah. Um... As for me, I pretty much concur with most of everything else that everyone else said. <laughs> I mean, uh, when it came to PC, of course, there were other games doing what Halo started doing, but doing it better, like the Quake series and a few yeah. others at the time. But as for consoles, mm-hmm. Halo was, I think, probably the best shooter they actually ever had. And, of course, I also came from 007 and Perfect Dark to mm-hmm. suddenly playing Halo and going, this is why I'm going to buy an Xbox suddenly <laughs> and uh, drop everything else. Because I think I was a PlayStation guy at the time. <laughs> so, but, uh, you know, being able to take this uh, HD collection, having the ability to go between, uh, you know, the graphic, the retro graphics versus, you know, the newer updated graphics having access to multiple games, new features, and bringing it to a current generation of systems so you can still enjoy the game that you know started it all, as well as everything in between, is just a great way of doing it, as well as adding other things to it without taking from it, unlike some other remasters we've seen out there. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, considering, one, you have to go into the classic mode just to finish an eSports tournament, but we won't talk about that here. <laughs> No, I'm curious. Uh, we're uh, I know oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> they, yeah. they had to swap the classic uh, graphics just to finish their esports tournament. It was horrendous. <laughs> okay, I know what you're talking about now. Mm-hmm. All right. So, um, with that being said, uh, my last thoughts on this, just to close this out, um, Halo is probably my favorite shooting franchise of all time. I know that oh, it's controversial for, for a lot of the COD players. Um, and a lot of the uh, you know old school shooters, but f- as far as a modern shooter, this is like this is my my nostalgia. All goes back to Halo. Um, I never would have played COD if I didn't play Halo. Um, and yeah. it has one of the greatest music soundtracks for a game series of all time. I still listen to that while I work. <laughs> I know M- Marty O'Donnell. Just something about him and his composing is just amazing. And I know there was all that scuff between him and Bungie in like 2015 Mm -hmm. where 
Activision kind of got in the way of a great relationship. But if if somehow Marty O'Donnell comes back to Bungie at some point, I hope they make some of the greatest soundtracks for gaming ever. Because mm-hmm. they already have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I actually still listen to that music every so often myself. So <laughs> it's it's just impressive what they were able to accomplish, especially with. You go from Halo 1, which is like this ambient choir, to Halo 2, which is the hard riffs and guitar, to like a full-on symphony symphony in Halo 3. And the Halo 3, the the actual launch trailer is still, to me, the most iconic launch trailer of my lifetime. (laughs) Because it was like the the piano key. I still like the Halo 2 one when he jumps out of the ship. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Anyway... So, as always, I'm Chris. And I'm Will. And I'm Zio. And we will see you on the next Krillcast. Bye. That is the best intro ever. (laughs) I'm Chris. And I'm Will. And apparently I messed up. (laughs) Wait, what? Everything froze on my end. I had no idea it was even rolling other than you said it. (laughs) (laughs) No, 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 no. The best part was what Will said when it turned over. Mm -hmm. Great. The whole thing is gone. I don't know what happened. He said Chris is a stick. Yeah, it's all bad. <laughs> Anyways, um, I can still see you, so everything's good on my end. Yeah, looks good for me too. Oh no, I'm flying blind here. Open Skype. <laughs> like seriously, what just happened? That is bizarre. All right, well, I'm gonna keep talking. You try and figure yourself out. Um... <laughs> <laughs> all right, so today, life, today is Tuber Tuesday. This is the Krillcast with Will and Zio. Um, Will's the normal co-host. Zio is our guest. We're going to be covering mm-hmm. Nathan's Seafood Gaming. Okay, not Nathan's Seafood. Nathan's Seafood. All right. So you can find him by going to YouTube.com/slash Nathan Seafood I already like him. He put the Wii U gamepad in the banner. That's a cool banner. I do have to say, it's a good one. Um, I will say there's like no um, consistency between his channel logo and his banner. No, definitely. which is fine. It's fine. Um, but that's not what we're here to discuss today other than to mention it so he can see that himself. Um, I'm going to give you guys some stats on Nathan Sifu. All right. So he's got 487 subscribers on YouTube at the time of this video. Um, his channel was created on November 23rd, 2012. So it's been around for at least, um, you know. Oh, we lost Zio. Oh, he's back. But he's really dark. He's really dark now. Apparently I dropped. Why are you so dark? Uh, it takes a minute for my cam to adjust, apparently. Oh, okay. Well, we'll just roll with it. We'll, you're just the dark knight <laughs> down there. I'm um, just going to be dark for now. 
Um, he currently has 194,584 views. Um, and I, I think the bulk of them came from a specific video, which we'll get into later. Um, mm -hmm. If you want to find him, go to youtube.com slash apparently Nathan Sifu HD. I, I put it down wrong on <laughs> this link. In the, I wonder if that link works. Let's find out. Mm -hmm. Oh, that works too. Yeah, it totally works. Yeah. That's bizarre. So he has two URLs that work. <laughs> that is really interesting. Okay. All right. So you can go to Nathan Sifu HD or Nathan Sifu Gaming. Both work, apparently. Okay. <laughs> Good for you, Nathan. Um, he also has a BitChute account. Uh, currently has 211 subscribers. Let's double check that. Find out. Actually, I don't want to do that here. I want to do it in the other tab. Ooh, and I don't want just any random videos to pop up. Let's get this fixed. Oh my gosh, I cannot type. There we go. Whew, got it finally. All right. Yeah, okay, that, that is still accurate. 211 subscribers at the time of this video. He created his mm -hmm. channel in January of 2017. And get this, he currently has 238,706 views on BitChute, which is more than his yeah. eight-year-old channel on YouTube. You can find him on BitChute by typing in bitchute.com slash NathanSifuGaming, which is actually the correct URL this time. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. So the channel description slash about tab says, Husband, father, gamer, I love games of all kinds, non-violent, very violent, platformer, story-driven, horror, retro, you name it. I occasionally make non-Let's Play videos and sometimes not even game-related at all. All right, and uh, that not game-related at all brings me to my next part here. His actual most popular video, which we're not going to cover, um, is, you'll see in a second, an 3D ultrasound five years ago. So that was kind of when 3D ultrasounds were pretty new. Um, and that's probably hey, explains his 74,000 views. So we're not going to talk about that video because it has nothing to do with the rest of his channel, basically, other than, you know. No, that's Death Stranding. Okay, maybe. <laughs> probably not. <laughs> um, so his most popular video is actually his Dante's Inferno. Um, okay. Let's Play Part 5, which is kind of funny because usually the Let's Play Part 1s get the most views. Yeah, that's unusual. So he must have had a good tag on that one for his video. And it is actually the most popular video he has on BitChute as, as well, for some reason. So hmm. apparently Part 5 is the most interesting part, just like uh, Empire Strikes Back, number 5. Always the most interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I do like that one the most. I'm I'm mostly joking, but um, whatever. No, I totally <laughs> don't. Know. His first video, and then we'll start talking about what we like and dislike. Whoops, not newest, oldest. <sighs> I click this. I always do this. Here we go. Oldest. Just ask Will. I make all the mistakes. He's perfect. He does. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just long to the ride. <laughs> Whoa! You turned into a robot for a second there. Um, so his oldest video is Absolute Showcase. So he did a bunch of call-outs to uh, cool videos or cool games. In this one, he did an uh, app called Akinator. Um, and he released his video on May 6, 2013. It currently has 318 views. Um, but he doesn't really do these Absolute Showcases anymore. He definitely jumped right off of that and started doing other stuff. Right into the Let's Plays. So that Absolute mm -hmm. Showcase did not last very long. 
All right. So, what do we like about Nathan's channel? I'll let Zio start. Well, providing I can stay connected long enough to do anything, it's the let's play. <laughs> um, yeah, he does a lot of let's plays, and I like that. And he has a he's got really good editing. I don't know if anybody else has really sat down and watched the intros, the outros to his stuff, but he he's got some pretty good editing. Yeah, his his uh, narration is really good too. Yeah, agreed. It just you know, Zio, I haven't lost you once yet. Ah, well, good because my thing keeps shutting itself down. Apparently, so I'm yeah. not sure what's going on. Well, we'll <laughs> we'll fix it after this one, but just um, as long as you just stay plugged in for this one, and then when we get done, I think your Skype is causing you to blur the background too, which is really interesting. There's, I know there's a setting with some webcams that Skype will just officially blur your background for you. Yeah. So it's bringing you to the center of attention and blurring your background right now, which is different. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways, uh, so you like his Let's Plays. Well, what, what did you like about Nathan's YouTube yeah, channel? Yeah, I like his Let's Plays. And the thing is, I like the, like, the few videos that I saw. I like the fact that he doesn't constantly talk over everything. Some, some uh, Let's Players, oh, man, they just... They just don't stop talking. But he was actually like making sort of like funny noises and like kind of like joking at his mistakes when he was dying and stuff. And I, I enjoy that because it almost seems like you know I'm playing with a friend sort of instead of everyone's like constantly talking over everything and like, not allowing you to get into the game. Um, so I, I appreciate that about what I, what I was seeing. Also, yeah. he, he swears every once in a while. <laughs> I, was, I also enjoy it too. It seems rare, rare these days that um, let's players will actually swear. Yeah, Nathan is a, just a genuinely funny and interesting guy to watch. Um, mm-hmm. I have to say, watching his what was his most recent one that I just watched? Easier to find on here. I watched his Super Mario Bros. videos and Blasphemous videos are just fantastic. They're really fun because you can tell he's very into those games and they get a lot of views you know 76 96 there's one i think got 250 recently i was like dang good for good for you nathan doing less plays mm-hmm. <laughs> sometimes it's hard to differentiate yourself from the crowd um with a let's play channel like this but he seems to do pretty well for even on BitChute, like 100 something views is is it's pretty similar to getting you know 500 to a thousand on youtube because the the user base is much smaller on BitChute. So yep. you figure the percentage of users that are watching your content is much higher when you get those yeah. low, like lower view counts, but really higher view counts, if it makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But yeah, he does he does some really great Let's Plays. His narration, that was the first thing I noticed. He goes, this is Nathan Sifu. You are watching. I'm like, whoa, low voice. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that was the first thing I noticed. Um, this, the second thing we want to talk about is, uh, what are some things we think Nathan could do to improve, you know, aside from the things we already said are good, what's going to make him great. What do you got, Will? I have a hard time with less plays on how to actually give good feedback on how to improve it. I think he has a good, I don't know, he has a good vibe to his videos. So, I mean, that's really more what I look for and also games I'm interested in. That's really all I look for in Let's Plays is that I like the guy's voice, I like the vibe that he's giving, and I like the game. So I have a hard time saying, like, this is what you should do to make this Let's Play better. Um, 
I, I'm a, I'm a lost. I've actually been thinking about this for a while now. Like what would I do to tell him to improve? I don't have good suggestion. I, I already like his content. Um, so hopefully you guys have something better to say. <laughs> what do you got, Zio? Anything? Well, unfortunately, I don't really have much either. I mean, um, he doesn't do a whole lot of talking like other people do, mm-hmm. which is great. Allows you to get into the game. You know, it sounds like you're talking to a friend half the time or something when he's just bantering and mm-hmm. going on and stuff. So, yeah, I, I really don't know what to do to improve on that. The editing's really great. So that's about all I got. Probably the only thing that I could give to him, and this is something that we learned on our channel, um, is that when you constantly do things by yourself or with just the group, the group that you're you're with, mm-hmm. um, you're limiting yourself to potential a potentially larger mm-hmm. audience um, by not ever featuring other people on the channel. And from what I can tell, I don't see very many videos where he does stuff with other people and then maybe we do to timing constraints and whatnot but maybe a couple collabs like a couple co-ops or something like that maybe that would be good good for his channel yeah, really cool true mm-hmm. yeah Maybe i actually forgot collabs was a thing <laughs> and i'm here so <laughs> hit me up nathan i got you <laughs> um but no i i think that uh collabs on let's plays are a must because Two personalities working together on one game can really make a very entertaining video. Um, but you can't be like like some Let's Players I watch, and, and I'm not calling out anybody in particular, but um, I've seen some Let's Plays in the past where the two people are bantering back and forth, but it's really like either inside jokes or like you can't really understand the joke without some mm-hmm. context that's missing. You really have to contain... A let's play and a collab to the audience you're you're showing it to so you got to make the jokes on the camera you can't make them off camera you can't be talking the whole time over the game like you guys are saying sometimes when you banter in a let's play yeah. it takes away from the gameplay so i would say nathan if you could bring a guest on the show that has um a good a good um what's the word i'm looking for here camaraderie with chemistry you. chemistry chemistry camaraderie any of those words um that would be great for your channel and then maybe have them slip in with one series like somebody's going to play this particular Ooh. game with you all the way through or maybe play several games of this with you like super mm-hmm. smash bros something like that you know i don't know that's my thought there is a playlist like that on his channel uh the Mega Man x series it's apparently with a, a VidMe community where everybody took a different boss and played through it and just passed the uh, code around, oh, essentially. Oh, yeah, that's I, cool. I was thinking that would be an amazing thing to do. Again? Like, with, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, again, you know, grab some people and was like, let's play Mega Man X2. You take this, and then you pass your boss code on to the next one, and then, yeah, that'd be know, really awesome. we all yeah. do something like that. You could do that with the BitChute community. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyways, that, that was my only thought, because I noticed that, for the most part, most of his Let's Plays are solo. And that, like I said, yeah. maybe due to scheduling constraints, you know. It is what it is. Um, but if I was going to try and improve his channel, that'd be the only thing I could really really say. Um, as far as our predictions going forward with Nathan's channel, what do we got for him? Will, what do you got? I think he's going to keep growing. I like his content, and I think, like, everything that we've already said. Good narration. I like the fact that he doesn't constantly talk over everything. If he brings in some collabs, like you're saying, 
I think that would really improve his channel, and I, I think it's just going to keep getting better. We got Zio. I predict he will finish the Super Metroid Let's Play. We've <laughs> <laughs> been waiting for that for I mean, a while. I granted, we? he lost the save, but you can start back and finish it, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the next video. Starting over. <laughs> uh. <laughs> um, or find some hacker that can restore his save. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, he apparently had the cart, the original cart, which I think is pretty cool that he was playing off the mm-hmm. original carts. So, and uh, I guess the battery backup messed up. It's long gone. That's, that sucks. I do, yeah. when I do my Let's Plays online of Super Nintendo and whatnot, mine are definitely also on, um, uh, also on the original hardware. All of my Let's Plays have been on the original hardware. Like when I did the, not Let's Plays, the, the streaming Everything was mm-hmm. on the original hardware. Halo 3 was on the Xbox 360. Both the Super Nintendo games were on the Super Nintendo. Um, physically swapped the carts, which is why I had a delay in the middle of my last one. Because <laughs> <laughs> it didn't work, I had to blow the cartridge. <laughs> but, um, no, I appreciate that. that that's definitely uh, a good thing yeah. for Nathan to be playing on the original hardware. I think I think it makes it more authentic than, mm-hmm. say, like an emulator where you can just throw a cheat in, like, ooh, I'm really sucking oh, it yeah. up. Extra life. <laughs> No, um, so I predict also that his channel will improve. Um, it's it's a slow burn with Let's Plays um, because a lot of Let's Players burn out. Nathan obviously has not. Um, but to build that audience, I think the quickest way for him to build it at this point, since he has such a wide range and um, expansive amount of content, he just needs to get some more collaborations going on, do a little networking, and his channel will grow substantially faster. If not, it'll still grow at the slow uh, slow burn pace that most Let's Plays channel do when they're good, yeah, like his is. So that's my only real thing. Um, and uh, just so you know, Nathan, I do like your channel quite a bit. I watch it uh, once, twice a week mm-hmm. when I have time. So that's what I got. Um, anything <laughs> you guys want to throw in there at the end? I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. Nathan, uh, next time you do a shoutouts video... Tell the people you're shouting them out on Twitter so they know to go watch the video. <laughs> I, I didn't see it until like a week later. <laughs> um, as always, I'm Chris. And I'm Will. And I'm Zio. And we will see you on the next Krillcast. Bye, guys. This is the Krillcast. I'm Chris. And I'm Will. And I'm Zio. And uh, Zio, we forgot on the Nathan video to give you a plug, but I think it's because we were messing around with your webcam. So why don't you tell the viewers who you are? <laughs> yeah, um, I'm Zio. I talk about nerd news and occasionally play video games. You can find me on Twitter at ZioTGT, or you can find me on YouTube and BitChute at Zio Gaming. And ZOTGT is the right place to get the news on Twitter, so definitely go check it yes. out. Yeah, he, uh, he's got a uh, interesting take on a lot of the stuff he covers, and even if he covers the same subjects as other people, his take is usually more interesting than other people's takes. Agreed. Yes, <laughs> especially your persona take. You definitely 
Definitely go watch that video. It's a good one. Yeah, you'll only be able to find that one on BitChute, though. So last time I checked, it's still DMCA'd, and I still have a strike on my channel. Oof. So, Well, <laughs> he put in the work and kept it up on BitChute. So definitely yeah. give him a like and give him a subscription. Go check it out. All right. So today, we're going to talk about the uh, gaming industry's uh, probably most hated component. <laughs> uh, mobile gaming. Um, it was gonna... fun at first. I enjoyed the original mobile games. Well, let me run the intro. No. <laughs> so the first game on a mobile phone was what do you think it was, Will? Tetris. Dang it! He read the script. <laughs> oh wait, that's on. right. It is written there, and it... I was going <laughs> to oh, say crap. snake. You know what's really funny is like I I have read the script and I thought I was being clever by guessing that, but I realized I obviously knew that information. <laughs> <laughs> I was testing to see if you read the script well. All right, so it was on this phone. This phone had Tetris on it. Believe it or not, I do not recognize that phone. The Hagenuck MT two thousand. 1994 cell phone, smartphone. Whatever that would make it. sense. That would be why I don't remember it. So, <laughs> 1994, yeah, you, we definitely wouldn't remember this one. No. <laughs> um, anyways, so downloadable mobile games were first commercialized in Japan, uh, circled the launch of the NTT Docomo's iMode platform in 1999. And by the early 2000s, were available through a variety of platforms throughout Asia, Europe, North America, and ultimately most territories where modern carrier networks and handsets were available by the mid 2000s. All right, this is pre iPhone. All of this is pre iPhone, right? So yeah. I want to make that clear for anybody who's a younger viewer. This is all pre iPhone. iPhone did not yeah. launch until 2007, and the App Store didn't launch until after that, and I think, I believe, 2008. It's on here later. Um, so Nokia tried to create its own dedicated mobile gaming platform with the N-Gage in 2003. I remember that, yeah. Yeah. Let's pull it up for all the younger viewers to see. If they haven't watched like a, a Metal Jesus or a John Hancock, they probably won't know what this is. Or Gamester81, any of those guys. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, gosh, I forgot that thing even existed. <laughs> it did a bad job as a gaming device and it did a worse job as a cell phone. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> it had some really interesting cartridges though and it actually had a version of Tomb Raider. What I've yeah. never understood about this device is they chose to do a portrait screen. I will never yeah. understand that design choice. Anyway, um, so they, they created the first mobile gaming platform with the N-Gage in 2003. But... Uh, it failed due to the mixture of unpopular design, as I just cited for you guys, poor software support, and competition from handheld game consoles that were not cell phones, um, mm -hmm. widely regarded as more technically advanced. The Engage brand was retained for a few years as a game service included on Nokia's general purpose cell phones. Now, I will also tell you that the Symbian operating system, which a lot of us in the U.S. do not know anything about, but I do because I know a lot about the history of cell phones and mobile technology because I'm just a geek about that stuff. Um, Symbian was like a European mobile operating system similar to like iOS or like Android or WebOS or BlackBerry, any, any of those. But it had like a limit to the amount of advancements you could make in the software. And so it was it was eventually going to be obsolete due to the way the software was written. And so Nokia built an entire mobile handset 
line on the Symbian OS. If you look up any of Nokia's old cell phones, they did not run Android or iOS or anything that makes sense. They ran Symbian. So that's well, I mean, that's, that's they weren't even really around back then, were they? Nokia? No, Android. Uh, Nokia had a short stint where both iOS and Android existed at the same time as Symbian. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, and in fact, um, some of the Nokia devices pre-Windows phone were still running Symbian in like the 2010 time frame. So Apple's iOS App Store was launched on July 10th, 2008. The very first game on the App Store was actually Apple's Texas Hold'em game, which... Throw back to that. I haven't played Texas Hold'em on an electronic device in a long time. <laughs> um, the Android market, now called the Google Play Store, launched on October 22, 2008. And based upon some research I performed myself, it appears that Pac-Man was one of the first, if not the first, Android market game, hitting the top downloads list in November of 2008 with over 250,000 downloads. Think about that. In less than a month and a half... Pac-Man was downloaded 250,000 times back when well, Android it was Pac-Man. So Android yeah, was brand Pac-Man, new, and also there wasn't really anything else. So, but I mean, that means there was at least 250,000 Android devices in the first month mm-hmm. of the launch. You know, that's, that's yeah, true. Pretty true. good. Yeah, I would imagine it was far greater because a lot of people buying Android probably weren't buying it to go game. They're probably buying mm-hmm. it because it was like, oh, look, this is a device that's not iOS; that's a smartphone. Do you remember yeah, those original I, I, I was, Android? I do. Thing, so, what was that? The droid ads. Yeah. I, I, I got the Android droid, or, or what is it? Just the droid? Yeah. OG droid. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I got that because it was my first smartphone, and it wasn't an iPhone. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, iPhone was still limited to AT and T, which a lot of people don't remember because it hasn't been limited to AT and T in years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just hated Apple products, so. (laughs) (laughs) I hear you on that one. I absolutely am just fine with Apple's iOS games and iOS devices, but that's fine. Um, I won't hold that against you. (laughs) So what I want to bring up now is um, what are some of our favorite mobile games? Um, And I'll actually start this one off. It's in the thumbnail. Knights of the Old Republic is like a perfect one-to-one of the original game for mobile phones. I don't know how they pulled that off because it worked just fine on my iPhone 5S and it works even better on my iPhone 6S Plus. That game ported perfectly. Asper Media, the company that did the port, they deserve awards for this port. It's really, really good and it has controller support before a lot of other games I've played. Even before Fortnite had controller support, this had controller support. So they really pulled off like a technical miracle putting this on perfectly to iOS and Android. Now just bring me number two. I need number two now, too. <laughs> I got number one. I can play all the way through. Please get Knights of the Republic 2 on mobile. I know it's tied up with Obsidian. It's going to skip two and give you three, and it's only going to be a mobile full of microtransactions. Well, I, I, could get, I could get the old Republic on GeForce, probably. <laughs> And I have three with microtransactions, and you have to wait eight hours to do something. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Those turn-based battles are going to take a while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, well, lay it on me. What's one of your favorite mobile games? All right. 
snake on my graphing calculator. <laughs> I mean, yes, but right. also no. It doesn't totally count, but <laughs> that does that does exist. Um, yes, I, I guess Angry Birds would be one of my favorite. Uh, I know, like, I remember the original apps for this, which wouldn't necessarily be games, but remember the shotgun one where, mm-hmm. where like, it made the shotgun sound? You could, like, you, you try to, like, flip the iPhone or the uh, iPod touch as fast as you can to make it, like, shoot as fast as you could. Do you remember this? During high school. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I was, like, there right when all this started happening. So those are the games that we played. <laughs> And then I stopped, stopped playing mobile games. So those are the kind of apps like, you know, the shotgun one or you get like the balance bar and you try to like see if it's actually accurate and you would put it like on your desk or you put it like on the whiteboard or something. So those aren't really games, but we made games out of them as high school students. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, th- I would say those like Angry Birds, the shotgun game, and obviously Snake was a lot of fun too. So Go ahead. Well, um, for me, my first game was Snake on Nokia. <laughs> hmm. um, but as for the games that I still play currently, and I guess you could call them favorites, is anything that I have on my emulator, Duel Links, or Yu-Gi-Oh! Duel Links, and Pokemon Oh, yeah, Go. that's pretty good. I, yeah. I thought they did a really good so, job with Duel Links. I played that for a little while. Yeah, I mean, other than it being like a smaller, compact version of the actual card game itself, it's not half bad at all. I've never had to pay a cent into it, so it all works out. <laughs> oh, quick quick shout out to two other games. I totally forgot about them. There was a um, game I recommended on a previous Phantom Friday, which is why I didn't bring it up today. It's called uh, Partia or Parsha. I'm not sure there's yeah, a, la- yeah, there's a language barrier on that one. But it's essentially mm-hmm. a fully-fledged um, Fire Emblem-like game that's not Fire Emblem Heroes, which I do not recommend you get. Fire Emblem Heroes. I think that they could have done a much better job with Fire Emblem Heroes than they actually did. But yeah, no, I have that. <laughs> I'm disappointed. <laughs> you get four characters on a map that's like a 16 by a 4 by 4 grid. It's it's just, I feel like Nintendo should have done a better job. Part yeah, I, part... I, I understand. I agree with that. I've got mm-hmm. it downloaded. I played it for about a day and it's just sat there the whole time. Yeah, I'll, I'll, show you, I'll show you what partial looks like in case you didn't watch that uh, Phantom Friday episode. Images, so it's like legitimately Fire Emblem on a mobile game. Mobile yeah, platform. it looks super similar. It's like the GBA games, not like the new ones. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, it, it's really nice. Um, the only thing that you're missing in this is those cool animations for the fights. They don't have. Oh, okay. They don't have well, the fighting animations. That. <laughs> what was that? I said I don't have to have that. Yeah, understand. That's the only reason why I played, Chris. The developers of this game um, made all three of them and essentially made no money on it. So it was a work of love. Um, Mm -hmm. And like I said, the only thing for me was when I tried to get a hold of them to let them know we were going to promote their game on our Phantom Friday episode because I don't, we don't, we haven't gotten paid for a single (laughs) promotional thing we've ever done. (laughs) (laughs) I just wanted to let them know we were going to do that in case they wanted to watch our video and hear my thoughts on it, but. I think this is like one of the best mobile uh, ports ever. Now, two two mobile ports that I also want to shout out that no longer exist on the iOS App Store, to my knowledge. Back when I got my iPod Touch in like 2009, there was a Call of Duty Zombies game on iOS. And it was like a one-to-one perfect port of Nazi Zombies. 
and it was made by Call of Duty, like the Activision, oh. the publisher of it. Um, and I couldn't believe it. It was like literally touch controls, a perfect one for one remake of the Nazi zombies, and that was it. No COD multiplayer, um, nothing else other than you could download each map, kind of like you can do on the Xbox 360. It was really cool. Um, but I was yeah. the only one of my friends that had it, so <laughs> it's like I was just playing by myself all the time. And then Rayman 2. There was a perfect console port of Rayman 2, The Great Escape, to both iOS and Android back in the day, and I mm-hmm. thought that was amazing. Um and I guess that leads into the next question. What are some of the best console games that have been ported to mobile? I already gave you one, so you guys go ahead. Yeah, I think all the odd world, odd world games were ported very well to iOS and Android. Um, so like Munch's Odyssey, Abe's Odyssey. I don't know if you ever played those games, but they're really fun 2D platformers. And also um, Stranger's Wrath and Munch's Odyssey are actually 3D uh, games, but they look exactly the same they play pretty much the same i think they did a good job those um, are the only games i've played it both on console and on my phone so <laughs> basically the only thing i can, I can offer <laughs> yeah it looks pretty good on here the graphics look pretty impressive mm-hmm. what do you got zeal oh strangely enough call of duty the new version um, the new version it plays pretty well strangely enough Especially if you play it on your PC. <laughs> Don't tell anybody that. <laughs> what are you using, BlueStacks? Oh, but, uh, do you use BlueStacks to do that, or do you use like, a Chromebook? Do what? Do you use like, BlueStacks, like one of those Android emulators to play it on your PC? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had to test it out. and was like, well, this, this isn't half bad on my phone with the touch screen, but what would happen if I had a mouse and keyboard? So, <laughs> <laughs> Got to try that out. There you go. But uh, yeah, that that's actually not half bad. Um, other than that, I can speak of ports that are bad. <laughs> <laughs> what are some? I guess what are some bad ports? Pretty much any Final Fantasy that was ported to the mobile. Don't really? play them. They're inferior copies of their originals. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard nah, good it's things. Just, it's just how they do the uh, the menus and everything else. And. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, if you're going to play it, emulate it. It's much better. <laughs> a lot of the Steam ports are also uh, the mobile ports, strangely enough. Hmm. Mm. Some of them, not so much. But it's just the older Final Fantasies, like 6 and below, that have that okay. problem. And then there's so. the, chibi, the chibi version of uh, Final Fantasy 15. Oh, yeah. I forgot <laughs> that existed. It's garbage. <laughs> <laughs> But, no uh, offense to anybody that plays it. <laughs> but I, I, I was like, whoa, nope. <laughs> I ain't doing that. <laughs> um, I will say there's been a couple mo- games that started out as mobile games that wound up being console games, like Oceanhorn. I know the colors of gaming. Oceanhorn's great. I know the colors of gaming just covered it and said they didn't yep, like and it. And I enjoyed that video. <laughs> yeah, I did enjoy the video. But uh, um, that game is awesome. I can't believe... But that started out as a mobile game and expanded to all the different consoles, and including the Vita, the PlayStation Vita. Um, mm-hmm. It's Wait, amazing. There's a Vita version of Oceanhorn. Yep. Yeah, where's my Vita at? It's somewhere sitting here. <laughs> <laughs> I have the uh, physical copy uh, printed through Limited Run Games. I do like to collect my physical media, so yeah, it's one of the reasons I don't like mobile gaming as much. Is uh, I like mm-hmm. my physical media. Same. Yeah, I prefer my physical copies too. As Will put it in a different episode, let's get 
physical. As if our singing is good enough to get the content ID. Yeah, exactly. Um, but as far as uh, mobile gaming, what is the impact it has had on the gaming market as a whole? Crap. <laughs> There's a so, lot to unpack there. Yeah, well, I mean, let's just let's just name let's just name the obvious one. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> and just just go ahead and grab the elephant by the horns real quick. <laughs> microtransactions. That's what they did for the gaming community. Microtransactions. Free to play and microtransactions. Oh man, it sucks. <laughs> because mobile mobile market is the only one that was willing to accept microtransactions basically all of pc gamers had sworn off that kind of thing and consoles hadn't even seen it yet mm-hmm. mobile market was ripe for it like here download clash of clans all right now here you go you can get these gems or you can pay for them <laughs> well, i mean bethesda kind of started that i think they tried the to side. they tried they, to. they tried to with horse armor and we, we <laughs> talked about that on uh i think episode 24.3 if i remember yeah. correctly I may have to go take a look at that then. <laughs> it's been a while. I'm, I'm trying to remember. Um, it was a long time ago. It was back when our podcast was relatively new to the daily uploads. Yeah. Let's see. We definitely have discussed this before, but I don't remember what episode. I guess but aside from microtransactions, um, it's actually done a lot of good for gaming too. So let's put it more, I guess you can go with accessible to people. Mm. So, you know, you've got more people who are more accepting of games than there would be, even if they play mobile only and they're just plebs, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, see, like, we literally call it, we literally discussed, um, if you look at the thumbnail, let's look into the thumbnail, that's the Horse Armor DLC. <laughs> it's like a meme about it, actually. Yeah. Yeah, so this was back when our podcast had a different logo, even. Look, can you see the top left corner here? It's a long time ago. <laughs> logo red. Yeah, yeah, we had a red yeah. logo. Mm-hmm. Yep. So this was a while. I didn't even have a hat on. No, so no. I really didn't know what I was doing. Um, <laughs> but well, uh, I have to say the podcast has definitely evolved over time. So <laughs> oh, yeah, it definitely has. But yeah, we talked about it back then. It was October sixteenth of twenty nineteen. So it's been a while. Yes. Yeah, um. Yeah, so DLC and microtransactions, we both agree we don't like DLC and microtransactions unless it's like a full bonus content type of thing. Like, I thought Mass Effect 2 did a good job with their DLC because it added like a good hour, two hours of playtime for like 10 bucks. Yeah, or you get like the Blood and Wine expansion for The Witcher 3. Yeah, I mean, that's fine, but the nickel and diming, nickel and diming crap is ridiculous and is awful. And every game has it now, and that's. 100% 100% because of mobile gaming. Yes. I would agree. Yeah. <laughs> you can change your hair for a dollar and dead or alive. <laughs> you can, you know, buy a, like a blue dot. <laughs> I just oh, saw gosh. somewhere that you yeah, can that rent Call of Duty a hairstyle. Dot, so. <laughs> rent a, you can rent a video game hairstyle. I just saw this. I'm like, what are you renting a video game hairstyle? Let's see. Renting a video game hairstyle. Yeah, there was a game. I just saw a game that was offering a microtransaction to rent a hairstyle. Oh, no. That's the next thing where it's <laughs> limited. I can't game, remember. Man. I know it was in the news. It was like video game hairstyle for, I think it might have been Fortnite. That's the only one that makes sense to me. 
but because yeah. I know a lot of those uh, Chinese and Japanese MMOs, they'll be like, you can rent this gear or this style of gear for seven days for fourteen ninety nine. <laughs> yeah, that's ridiculous. Um, I understand oh the concept gosh. of season passes. I'm I'm fine with season passes, but something like that just just it's like yeah, it's like nails on a chalkboard. You keep the content. Yeah, there's like, like a fine line between what's acceptable and what's not sometimes, and it really just depends on the game itself. So honestly, I don't even care if they do unacceptable things; so I won't buy it. But <laughs> when it's pred- the predatory behavior is what bothers me. Yeah. When a game is geared towards a certain age or demographic, and you hit them with some predatory behavior, like let's say you let somebody easily wallop through a whole whole bunch of people. And then you say at the end of that game, you offer them all this upgrade. <laughs> and it's like, if you have this upgrade now, you might be able to win. It's like, well, yeah, I want the upgrade. How much does it cost? They're like, oh, a dollar. Mm. And then all of a sudden, they're playing much better. You have actual uh, gambling mechanics in a basketball game. Yeah. <laughs> or in GTA, that one actually has slot machine mm-hmm. done <laughs> I so think you you're can right. pay real money for the in-game money and then use it in the slot machine <laughs> <laughs> speak of the devil man your kotor just sent me a notification that your current quest <laughs> is uh terrorist planetary information is in progress i just restarted the game again so i'm like at the very beginning but you know. <laughs> be careful that push notification might become illegal at some point <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with the yeah, we'll have to watch Zio's episode tomorrow. Um, mm-hmm. Go check out our podcast, and then right after that, go check out Zio's podcast. <laughs> They're already on our podcast, Chris. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> You're already checking it out, so thank you. Yeah, watch here, and then head over to my channel and watch my thing, and sit yeah. back, relax, and get some coffee because it's going to be a while. Pop popcorn, coffee. <laughs> And a couple mm-hmm. of a couple of tissues for the tears. Um, anyways, <laughs> um, the last thing: what is the future of mobile gaming? I think eventually it's just going to merge into one thing. So it's going to be like Switch, but on like on steroids, where everything is going to be. You can stream from everywhere you're at. You can play anything anywhere. I think eventually that's going to be how it is. Yeah, I can see that. And you might be, you might even get to a point where live streamers can use the front-facing camera on their phone with an app and stream a game with them mm-hmm. on it from literally just their phone. What about you, Zio? Yeah, um, I guess it just depends on how the technology evolves from here. Um, I mean, we can go through the science fiction route and you know have phones in your hands and all that other jazz and just have things sort of beam in. I guess like Nerve Gear esque, maybe mm-hmm. you know, eighty years from now or something. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think it's all going to sort of meld into one thing once the industry gets, you know, out of this whole give me, give me, give me every nickel and dime and start working together to do like remote play and things like that. It's all just going to sort of get more compact, easily accessible, and you're just going to be able to do it anywhere, anytime. And it'd be just a natural thing. Um, and of course, you know, with augment reality and virtual reality coming into the mix, it could go anywhere. I agree 100 percent mm-hmm. Mobile gaming is like this, it's like this thing that's it just can't die, but at the same time, 
I think right now we're in a valley. Like we were at the peak in like I would say 2010 to 2013 timeframe. I'd say it, it kind of went back down. I think I'd say people are more on, so maybe China, but people in the US, I'd say they saw the switch and they're like, I want that, right? Nobody's, I don't see people gaming on their phones unless it's something more casual nowadays, especially mm-hmm. walking through a meeting at work, I'll see somebody on Candy Crush or something. I was like, hmm. <laughs> but I really don't see um, any hardcore gaming on phones, at least in my own circles. Yeah. Well, I remember at a time when thinking this was the future and it's like, Oh man, all consoles are going to be gone within a couple of years. And then it just kind of like fizzled out. (laughs) I think everyone was super pumped when like apps first came out and those app games first came out um, and excited about the potential. And that kind of just took 10 or 12 years to actually reach that potential. So a lot of people have kind of fell away. It's still really cool now what you can do. So you have full games from console on there and Call of Duty and stuff. But I don't know. I'm I'm definitely not as excited as I was when I first came out. I think touch controls is a very limiting factor, which is why I picked up the Rotor Riot. (laughs) See, that's what I'm missing. I would probably play games on my phone more often if I had something like that. This physically plugs into my phone. And then I mount my phone on this little grip here. I got in on the beta test of this because they had it on Amazon at like 20 bucks when it first launched just to get people out to use it and test it out. Mm-hmm. And now it's like either 40 or 50 bucks. But it literally uses the lightning cable and connects directly to my cell phone. That's how I play KOTOR with that. <laughs> You're not going to be able to play something like Temple Run, which, by the way, another great game. But, uh, oh, yeah, that was a good game. Yeah. Uh, definitely could play like your Fortnites or like KOTOR. And it has the L3, R3 capabilities now because Apple updated the controller inputs. So that's good. Um, you can also use a PS4 or an Xbox One controller with your phone now, at least with the iOS phones. Yeah, not with mine. Mine's too outdated. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> um, I thought about it. I tried it. It didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> I do believe Rotoriot has a micro USB C or whatever that, not C, micro USB and, and a USB C. Um, compatible cord on these devices. So if you don't have Bluetooth available, I believe they have that. So, but they are more expensive. They're really good quality, but they are more expensive. Um, I can look it up real quick and then uh, that'll be it for me. You guys got anything else to say? No, I'm good. Yeah, I've got nothing else. All right, well, then I'm pulling this controller up. Everybody's going to be bored for a second. <laughs> yeah, see? Oh, they're advertising it at 50 bucks, and they're advertising it with the Rotor Riot. Okay, here's the old version. Yeah, so this is the version when I bought it. This is what it was, 40 bucks. Yeah, I think if I knew I was going to go over someplace and just had nothing else to take with me, I'd, I'd definitely break that out and take it with me to play on my mm-hmm. phone, especially if I can get my emulators to work with it. And it has power pass-through now, which originally it didn't have... Um, so you can plug like a charging cable into it. Like mine, the version I have does not have a ability to plug a lightning cable into it and charge my phone. The new versions have that. Yeah, it feels just like an Xbox One controller or like a 360, somewhere in between those two. It's really nice. Um, all right, so as always, I'm Chris. And I'm Will. And I'm Zio. And you might see us again. On the Crowcast. <laughs> <laughs> See you later. Coming to a cell phone near you. Yeah. It only costs you an extra dollar per minute.
to. This is the Krillcast. I'm Chris. And I'm very red. And I'm Zeo. <laughs> but you're not Colors of Gaming red. <laughs> no. Today is Throwback Thursday. And just like every week in the past three weeks, Will, what did we forget yesterday? I forgot Wildcard Wednesday. I actually remembered it, but you kept talking, so. <laughs> I feel like you say that <laughs> same thing every yeah. single week. <laughs> okay. So we're here to talk about not the Rotor Riot controller. Although it's a good subject to talk about in a different video. Probably the one yesterday. Go check out the link in the not not in the description. Just go to the episode private to this one, right? Just just do it. Okay. You'll 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 appreciate yeah. it. All right. In fact, go to our like playlist and just go through every single video, you know, all at once. Even if you're sleeping, <laughs> just leave it on. Just, you know, yeah. give us the watch time. Just leave it on. Yeah. yeah just just auto play that. It'd be all right. Put it on yeah. a playlist. Never not. <laughs> There you go. Although I will say our watch time has gone up significantly, even though our subscribe count has only gone up about 20 people. <laughs> pretty cool. Um, so, no, we're talking about Donkey Kong Jungle Beat, which uses these guys, all right? <laughs> these guys right here. Donkey Kong Congos. DK Congos. DK Congos. Bongos. <laughs> what is wrong with me? I actually happen to have multiple games, okay? I've got both the Donkey Konga and the Donkey yeah. Kong Jungle Beat games. I have Donkey Konga as well. And I it is not. surprisingly <laughs> a fun game, which is why I brought this up, okay? I mean, rhythm games have kind of gone the way of the dinosaur at this point, but we're going to talk about one of the most iconic ones because Guitario is the most iconic one. But how many games do you know that have bongos in them? Probably not very many. All right, so especially when it's three. a platformer that requires bongos. Yeah, released on the GameCube on March 14, 2005. Mm-hmm. All right, and then it was re-released, which is so bizarre to me because not a lot of GameCube games got re-released on the Wii. Um, mm-hmm. I can think of one off the top of my head: the Metroid Prime trilogy was re-released on the Wii, and the Pikmin games were re-released on the Wii, mm-hmm. but not a whole lot of them. So this one, for some reason was re-released on the Wii with no support for Without the bongos. Without the bongos. Yeah. Well, it's a prime candidate for the uh, Wii, Wii Motion modes, thing. Yeah. I'll agree with yeah. that. Yeah. And it was re-released on May 4th, 2009, so over four years later. It uses, the original version uses the much, I'm going to call them maligned, Donkey Konga Kongo's Access Kongo's. I even said it here, Donkey Konga Bongo's accessory for a Donkey Kong platforming game. The Congos were also... I say this multiple times. I just couldn't type that day. The bongos were also used for Donkey Konga 1, 2, and the Japan-only Donkey Konga 3. The bongos were originally planned to be used for Donkey Kong Barrel Blast, which unfortunately uses the Wiimotes only, and it would have been a much better game had they used the bongos for that. Yes, I agree. But... Um, go check out the bajillions of reviewers of Donkey Kong Barrel Blast and you'll see what I'm talking about. So what I want to talk about, since I apparently could not come up with the word bongo the day I typed this and wrote Congo a bajillion times, um, I want to talk about some weird accessories over the years that have been used in gaming. Um, the bongos, I've always thought were a cool and strange accessory for gaming. But it makes sense for Donkey Kong that this would be the equivalent of a Guitar Hero accessory. Well, I mean, the Wii has a ton of yes. accessories <laughs> yes. that were made not exactly by Nintendo, but by <laughs> everybody else. So you want a mini tennis racket? We got that. You want a fishing rod? We can do that. 
The Wii was just a prime candidate for all sorts of peripherals. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Uh, the Guitar Hero guitar, obviously, the whole rock band setup. Will, do you have anything else? Oh, I love yeah, the Connect. What was that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess that counts. Yeah. Uh, I, I personally liked it. Yeah, DDR, DDR. Dance yeah, Revolution. Yeah. There was I a Mario mix. A lot of DDR back in the day, so. Ooh, original NES. How about the um, Ultimate Track and Field? Mm-hmm. Or whatever that's um, called. Field, or, uh, field events? Field. Uh, Something events. I don't know. What was yeah, that tracking circle, the ring for one of those old consoles? <laughs> oh, oh, um, gosh, was that Sega? I, I think know. it was Sega. Sega. And, and then you have the power glove, which was yeah, power glove. Yeah. yeah, we we discussed that have, in uh, one of our older episodes. Mm-hmm. Have uh, the two hundred button controller for that Met game, like Iron Blood or something? I was going to bring that up. I was going to bring that up. Yeah. Metal, Metal Jesus did that. My gosh. Yeah, I remember this episode. That, that thing, I think, last time I looked at it, it was like over 300 bucks for that. I want to type in Gundam, but I know that's not right. No, it's not. <laughs> uh, I played a VR simulation of that long time ago. It was amazing. <laughs> I think it's they this had... one. Is this it right here? The Weird and Awesome Controllers episode? Metal yeah, I believe he covers it in this one. He covers it in a couple of videos. It's Mechasol, right? I can't remember what the game was called. Whoa, that's not it, is it? I don't that's think what that's... I was thinking. Is it? That must be it. Yeah, anyways. It's been a long time since I've seen it, so I really don't remember. It's like a full-blown control room for like a but... mech suit. That's <laughs> what it yeah, is, essentially. A bunch of buttons for one game, and I think it was like priced at three hundred or something when yep. it first came out. So I, I don't know what it oh, looks like man. now. I but... forgot about that. The Resident Evil uh, controller, the um, chainsaw man. controller. They should have put one of those out. Want for... to play with that? Should put one of those out for Gears of War. <laughs> Yo, that would have been amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Xbox, get on it. <laughs> Um, this is not totally related, but one of the just, coolest Xbox controllers is the Sea of Thieves one. You know, we can port it to the Wii so we can actually do the chainsaw motion. <laughs> <laughs> Dead Rising Chop Till You Drop style. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, uh, have you played that? Dead Rising Chop Till You Drop? Uh, no. no? Okay. No. It's, it's like the worst version of Dead Rising, but also like the most comical. Because you're sitting there hacking at zombies with a Wiimote like, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> was it a Wii game? Yes. <laughs> wow. Oh, oh, okay. I remember that now. Never played it, but I remember it. I've thought about picking it up so many times because it's cheap, but I don't think I would ever play it. Dead Rising on Wii, mm-hmm. a strange phenomenon. And it was really because it was kind of an Xbox exclusive, and then boom, now it's on the Wii. Just the fact that Dead Rising is on a Nintendo console. Of course, then again, Nintendo is. Uh... Yeah, see, there it is. So he's using the side so to expand anyway. So it has to be the weirdest Wii port of any game um, that I remember because it had no business being on the Wii. Because, <laughs> look, he's going back and forth. This is the Xbox version. Here's the Wii version. Look, there's like no zombies on the <laughs> screen. It just couldn't handle it. You know, the PS3 yeah. even struggled playing Dead Rising because it couldn't put the same number of zombies on the screen. Because it didn't 
Capcom didn't understand the cell processor at the time. So, yeah, um, that could have been a really great accessory, though, to have, like, a chainsaw or, like, a gun or something like that. Didn't they remake GoldenEye with the PS3 and the um, Move system? They did? I think so. Yeah, GoldenEye Reloaded, that's it. Oh, yeah. I have it Reloaded on the Wii. Yeah, because they had it. It was, it was the only like PlayStation Move game that I almost bought it yeah, for. I had like the little gun attachment. Yeah, this is actually the most um, uh, accurate motion controller was the PlayStation Move, but they also spent the most time uh, developing it. Mm-hmm. That's why it translated so easily to the PlayStation VR. So. Um, with that being said, with all this, these interesting and strange accessories. I want to talk about how when they did a remake of the original Donkey Kong, uh, Donkey Kong Jungle Beat, they used the Wii motion controls in lieu of the bongos as part of the remake. Like, what kind of a design choice does that say, you know, about moving from the original accessory to utilizing different technology to play the same game? I mean, it completely changes how the game is played. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. It didn't feel nearly as, as fun. I understand why they did it though, because everyone already had the Wiimotes and you'd have to buy a special accessory for the game. But I mean, there's something special about, you know, banging on your bongos. Right. (laughs) When you buy the game, you obviously would get the bongos with it, but I think it's just purely they wanted to push the Wii motion control, you know? (laughs) And having bongos kind of defeats the purpose of that. Yeah. I thought it was really strange, though, the number of games they took. Um, not It wasn't a lot, but the games that they did take from the GameCube, and then they remade them on the Wii, and they implemented the Wii motion controls. So, like, for example, when they redid Pikmin, um, that game they took... What, what is he comparing there? Okay. Um, <laughs> I, that was another one. I wonder if that was the Wii version or something. Anyways, uh... So he took they took the uh, Pikmin games where you had like you know your standard controller from the GameCube, and they implemented Wii Motion plus to control it. It was like, okay, so now you got to aim at the Pikmin you want to control. You go, okay, I'm getting all these guys, and then you move them around. It actually kind of works really well. And then when they took that concept and applied it to the Wii U for Pikmin Three, um, they actually used the touchscreen of the Wii U gamepad to do the same thing so instead of using the Wii mode and pointing at your Pikmin and selecting that way you take your stylus and go remove one more element of selection so you're literally touching your characters as you grab them so sometimes you can take a new technology implement it to an old game and it'll work really well and other times you take an old an old game and apply a new technology to it and it doesn't work so well. And if mm-hmm. I remember correctly, GoldenEye 007 Reloaded is one of those games where when you apply new technology to it, say motion controls, nobody wants it. I won't say nobody. A lot of people did not like this port. Because I remember going to GameStop, and they had like six of them stacked. And I said, hey, I kind of want that. And they are like, no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I I heard the port wet and very 
very good either. So, but I never <laughs> got a chance to play it. <laughs> I might end up picking it up on the cheap later on. We'll see. But yeah. So, aside from myself, have any of you guys played Donkey Kong Jungle Beat? Mm-hmm. Okay. I have not. So no, wait. I tested it at a GameStop once. That was it. <laughs> and you decided it wasn't for you? No, I don't think I had a Wii at the time. <laughs> oh, I had it on the GameCube. I still have it on the GameCube. That's the way I played it. Let's see. Remember CZR Undertow, which is a great channel that no longer exists, did a video on it. And I thought, wow, this is really neat. Let's see. Uh, this one? No, this is the one where he shows off the bongos. See, so he's like, he's actually going to show you guys him play. And the, I will say this: a lot of people have taken the bongos and used them in applications that do not make any sense. Kind of like how the guitar <laughs> guitar has been used yep. for other yeah. games. It doesn't make sense, but it's so entertaining to see somebody try and play like Zelda with the bongos or like. <laughs> just... Oh my gosh, that would be terrible. <laughs> <laughs> But anyways, um, my experience with this game, I, I thought actually it was pretty intuitive. Like Originally when I started playing, I was like, this doesn't make any sense. Why would I play this game with bongos? And I started playing it. I was like, hmm. And I tried it with a controller after that. And you can play it that way. Mm-hmm. Not nearly as intuitive as the bongos. So once you start using the bongos, you can tell that Nintendo is going for more of a motion-based gameplay. Just based on this game alone. Because... Tapping one way goes this way. Tapping the other way goes that way. Double tap is like the jump. It, it just, it all makes sense. And I may have gotten that wrong, so don't correct me in the comments, please. <laughs> but that's what I remember in my head. I haven't played it in a while. But the controls are very intuitive uh, versus other motion games where I felt like the mm-hmm. controls were not very intuitive at all. <laughs> but it's Nintendo, so you know they're doing a good job. What about you? What did you think of the game? Yeah, so I rented it from V-Stock. And I I basically wanted another game for, you know, to be an excuse for why I bought my bongos for Jungle. Um, Is it Jungle Bee? Is the No, No, that's the one. Conga. Conga. I don't know. I was blanking on the other one. So, you know, I I use it for that game. I enjoy that. So I tried playing with this, but it was just really weird. I'm not nearly coordinated enough to translate, you know, normal good gamepad controls into actually hitting the bongos, so I suck at it. <laughs> really bad. And it, it, it was the opposite of Chris. I don't think it was intuitive to me, at, at least at all. Maybe if I tried it for a while, I'd get used to it, but, uh, you know, it wasn't at the time. I just love these, like, anime-style DK fighting <laughs> game battles. Yeah, the, the game is very interesting. I will admit, I've, I've watched some playthroughs of it, so... You, you get like for the Wii version, you get like um, that Donkey Kong in the bottom left goes away, but on the GameCube version, it was very important because it was very difficult to see Donkey Kong based on the graphic capabilities of the game, unless you have the GameCube component cable, like some people mm-hmm. have. <laughs> <laughs> um, it does up their resolution to where it looks nice on an HD screen, I will say, um, but yeah. So, as far as this goes, um, do we think that accessories like the DK Bongos still have a place in gaming today? Especially with the 
release of that fitness RPG game by Nintendo. Yeah, I mean, Nintendo had a whole bunch of accessories made out of cardboard that sold the really well. So, <laughs> that's right. So, I think, yeah, Nintendo can basically do what they want. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Nintendo's pretty good at doing new things that nobody else is doing. Sometimes they're flops, sometimes they're hits. So, I would agree with that. Is there anything you guys want to add about uh, either DK Jungle Beat or accessories in general? I will say if you guys have never tried these games, so Jungle Beat or Donkey Konga, you should definitely play it. They're they're very entertaining. That's right. Will played it one time at my house, and then he went and bought bought bongos for himself. Yes, he did. (laughs) (laughs) Tried to get Claire to play with me, and that didn't work out. (laughs) What are you trying to say there, Will? Huh? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) What about you, Zio? Anything? Uh, It'd be nice to see some more rhythm games come back, though. That'd be cool. I have to say I have a guilty pleasure, I guess, when it comes to playing those things for some reason. So, <laughs> I do like Guitar Hero. That's a lot of fun. Rock Band was also great, but you had to have enough people to play Rock Band. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you know, it's not as fun when you're just like doing one instrument and the band's playing kind of auto-playing. Yeah, not nearly as much fun. Yeah, I had a lot of fun with Rock Band, but then I had more people to play with. So <laughs> Right, right. Anyways, um, as always, I'm Chris. And I'm Will. And I'm Zio. And we will see you on next Krillcast. See ya. This is the Krillcast. I'm Chris. And I'm Will. And I'm Zio. And uh, Zio, since we forgot yesterday, I think, why don't you tell people who you are and what your channel's all about? I am Zio. We talk about nerd news and occasionally play video games. That's about it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I've, I've plugged this video twice, so I'm going to plug a different one. Um, definitely go and watch his GeForce video. Um, definitely it was a good conversation about what's going on with the NVIDIA GeForce service. Mm-hmm. Also, the ESRB video was good. I don't think I... I must have missed that one. Did I do an ESRB video? I thought you did. Yeah, you definitely did. I commented on oh. it. Don't give me this crap. <laughs> I think we were talking about something else, and it was related. <laughs> all right. Okay, well, okay. the general oh, topic, oh, all right? You guys talked about the ESRB Yes. Which taught me something I didn't know about adult-only ratings in uh, conjunction with loot boxes and gambling mechanics. What? So I sort of had the meta topic, okay? (laughs) Okay. Check out that video, all right? It's still good, isn't it? Anyway, go to my channel and watch my stuff, all right? Yes, definitely do it and subscribe, okay? You can find him by doing a quotation mark, Zeo Gaming. Pretty, pretty Pretty good way to find him. Alright, so today we're not talking about Donkey Kong Bongos or Congos or Conga or Jungle Beat, any of that stuff. We're not talking about that. So I exited those tabs. Don't worry about it. All, right, all good. Today we are going to talk about 
our Uh-oh. favorite things to recommend for this week. <laughs> nah, don't worry about it, Will. It's all good. Um, it's so fallen. <laughs> I'm gonna let I'm gonna let uh, Zio go first. All right, I get to go first this yes, time. You do. Sweet. My recommendation: if you want to play an MMO and you don't want to play World of Warcraft, go play <laughs> Final Fantasy XIV. It's so much better. <laughs> no, but uh, Final Fantasy XIV is an MMO where they've done a combination of taking a lot of things from the Final Fantasy universe. Uh, Square Enix has outdone themselves with it. Looks amazing. Plays really great as well. Uh, if you come from something like World of Warcraft, of course, you know it takes a little bit getting used to because the GDC or the uh, GC is uh, 2.5, I believe, compared to WoW's like one second global cooldown. So <laughs> it takes a little bit to get used to, but once you get leveled up and everything, it, it comes pretty good. So. And this game also failed when it first launched back in like 2010, I think. Is that when it launched? Yeah, I believe so. Or maybe 2013. When did it it relaunch as its new kind of new um, version? Um, No, I think the relaunch was August 2013. And it originally launched in 2010. And its previous version failed. <laughs> it failed horribly, apparently. Uh, the game now is called Final Fantasy XIV A Realm Reborn because of the relaunch. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one was dubbed Final Fantasy XIV 1.0. A Realm Reborn is occasionally called Final Fantasy XIV 2.0. And uh, essentially the game did really bad. Square messed up, had no idea what they were doing, trying to redo Final Fantasy uh, 11, I believe, with much upgraded graphics, but didn't do so well. And uh, they scrapped the development team Oof. and called in Yoshi P. Uh, I think his name is Nako- Nakoi Yoshida. I-, I probably mispronounced that, but according to the community and uh, other people, they call him Yoshi P. And uh, his team was tasked with finishing the content of 1.0 while redoing the entire game for 2.0. And uh, they did it it really, really well. What are you showing there? Is that Shadowbringers? It is. Uh, That is the latest expansion. Very good. (laughs) But uh, essentially, they finished the story of 1.0, shut it down, and then brought it back like a year or two later. Hmm. And... um, recontinued the story from that point. So at the end of the story, you were tasked with stopping the Garland Empire. They were going to bring down Eorzea's second moon. Uh, it, they succeeded. <laughs> and your job was to try and stop the primal who was released, and you failed. Uh, they end the game. Uh, if you look up the Final Fantasy XIV opening cinematic. That is what you wind up being greeted to at the end of the game. It's that top one there, I believe. And uh, it's a very nice cinematic (laughs) where uh, the seventh Umbral Calamity has taken place. 
Your characters are known as the Warrior of Light, and you're transported five years into the future. And then Final Fantasy XIV, A Realm Reborn, picks up from that point. If you happen to be a player who played on the original 1.0 build, uh, they have a nice little touch where characters will remember you. Mm. So if you run into somebody you originally had to run into in the original build, they'll be like, oh, hey, I hadn't seen you in so long. What happened? You know, that sort of thing. Or welcome back. You know, it's been five years. And, of course, if you're a brand new player, it, it's standard introductions, of course. It's, hi, I'm so-and-so. Yeah. Who are you again? Are you the fabled warrior of light we've heard about? So <laughs> Nice. You know, it's just little touches like that. Um, the way they do uh, their class system is sort of a one character to rule them all kind of deal. But mm-hmm. at the same time, each job or class is kind of set in its path. So if you're going to be a white mage, you're always a healer. You don't really have a choice between DPS or heals. You will always heal. Meanwhile, if you're a ninja, you're always going to be DPS, and you got no choice behind it. So, I mean, other than that trade-off. And uh, it has gathering and crafting professions, of course, like any other MMO. Mm-hmm. Except for every one of those uh, professions are their own job in itself with own quest lines, hmm. quests to do, uh, its own gear, and levels. So if max character level is like 70 or 80, which I can't remember off the top of my head right this second, you know, crafting level is the max level as well. But you have to re-level it from level 1 and get its own gear, and it gets its own skills, its own abilities, and it's kind of a sort of a mini game of sorts when you go in it depends on how you want to go about actually crafting gear which is a lot better than other mmos that you just hit a button and you craft an elixir or something because mm-hmm. you've got the materials in this one you've got a okay i'm going to try and enhance um you know the outcome of this to make it a higher grade or something and then in this mm-hmm. turn i'm going to actually build the item a little bit but then you also have a counter, essentially, that's ticking down every time you do it. And then you've got to try and refresh that. And while balancing, trying to make the best yield of the item while actually completing the project, because you can actually fail and lose it altogether along with your materials. Oof. So it's, it's, it's definitely an in-depth job or an in-depth crafting system that I hadn't really seen in, in, a, in WoW for sure. Um, or in other MMOs, so it's a, it's definitely its own th- game altogether. Just crafting in that game. That's cool. Yeah, it sounds awesome. Sounds like a much more in-depth MMO than the ones I've played. <laughs> it's almost like if you took uh, and, and rebuilt RuneScape as an HD 3D world, and then made it better. Yeah, I never did get to play RuneScape. <laughs> so many people have told me how they love RuneScape. In fact, I met a guy who met his wife from RuneScape. <laughs> I was just like, that's weird. <laughs> that's just me. A couple good friends of mine, they met over Halo 2. Really? See, I can understand that. Halo 2 is good. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, deep, deep cuts received. Okay, well, why don't you go ahead? 
I'm just kidding, but still. <laughs> yeah. All right, so I'm recommending uh, a board game this week, uh, Champions of Midgard. Uh, it's a worker placement game, so you get like little meeples, and you can uh, have them do like place them on different spots and have different actions. Have either of you guys played this before? Maybe. No, no, I haven't. So. I don't know. It's it's a typical worker placement game, so people who play uh, board games probably know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have a certain number of meeples. You can like build up the the number that you have those little people characters that you're seeing there, like the blue and yellow and stuff. Um, so you try to you start off with a certain number and you end up building it up, and you can place them on different actions or different locations on the game board. Um, and then you know the idea is you, you're uh, completing quests and you're fighting monsters. And there's a certain area, like the merchant ship, where you can like buy ships or you can rent ships, and you can sail across the sea to fight better monsters to get better loot. Um, and then, uh, but if you there's randomized events, you can end up like, you know, fighting a sea monster on the way to fight another monster, and then it could wipe out your entire army. So you end up losing all of those uh, meeples and uh, losing all your supplies. Um, and then also there's a bit of a cooperative element as well. Uh, where there are certain monsters that are placed onto the board uh, at the beginning of every round. And if someone, like, it doesn't have to be you necessarily, but someone has to beat them by the end of the round or that monster like will uh, impact every single player. So, you know, sometimes you can use that to your advantage. So if you're like really doing really well, you can allow it to attack you, but it's also going to hurt the other players. It might hurt them more. So uh, it might be an advantage not to actually fight that monster or you can, you know, specialize and only fight the monsters that are the easier ones, but you're not using as much supplies to fight them, so you can like build up at the end. Uh, it's very fun. It's very easy to pick up. You can play two-player to five-player with the expansion, I believe. Uh, it's not as much fun with two players just because it's, it's sort of easy with two players. Um, but it's, it's a great party game. Uh, it's really easy to pick up, and I every time I play board games, I always ask people to play this game with me, so I really enjoy it. Seems like it'd be your uh, what 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 to me would be Starfares of Catan. This would be your Starfares of Catan. Yeah, well, it's fun because it's fantasy and you're actually fighting monsters and stuff. So it's kind of it, that's fun. Have you, have you ever played like Lords of Waterdeep, which is a D and D inspired game? It's very similar to that. There's also a Game of Thrones board game, which is also worker placement. It's similar to that game as well. Uh, but this Champions of Midgard, I think, is is one of the better worker placement games if you're into that kind of thing. So it's like risk ver- or risk meets D and D. Um, yeah, n- not really. So risk. <laughs> I'm trying to think of. I'm trying to I think mean, of the last it, it time I played like D and D, but the only thing I have to compare it to is risk, because it's the only other thing I've played. <laughs> yeah, so it is like D and D. So I mean, Lords of Waterdeep is a D and D game, and yeah. it, it plays very much like that. So you have like these monsters you're fighting. You have. Um, I, I mean, that's the only D and D game I've played. So actually, I've only I've never actually played the actual D and D like campaigns before. Um, but it's it's similar where there's like this mystery element where there's a monster that could come out, and you have to like plan your move, moves ahead. And although there's not like a dungeon master, there there are these random elements to it, which which makes it very interesting. So you can have like this great pl- uh, strategy going in to fight this monster, and you're gonna get all this gold, and then suddenly there's a kraken that eats your ship. <laughs> you're like, oh, crap. <laughs> that guy just wink at us? All the supplies. Did he just wink at us? Hold on, I want to see this again. <laughs> what? Hold on, ready? 
Yep, he did. Yep. He, he went. <laughs> I love this guy's editing. All right, I'm going to recommend this guy's channel. Go check out Shut Up and Sit Down. He, he's so got... I've got a board game to go buy. <laughs> this yeah, one this is really fun. It's yeah. a lot of fun, I will say. Um, I the up expansions are also very fun. I picked up a few Kickstarters, but Kickstarters can get kind of expensive, so I've, I've stayed away from them for a little while. <laughs> um, and they're coming from China, so I can look forward to potentially, uh, you know, <laughs> seeing my shipment uh, quarantine. Let's put it that way. <laughs> well, rather have the shipment quarantine than yourself. So yes, that is true. <laughs> all right. Um, so is that all you had to say, Will? Yeah. Other than like, there's these different dice and or a different die, and certain enemies can only be attacked by certain dice. So you actually have to plan out what dice you send, and those are like technically your army. So you can build up the number of die that you have. And you, you can lose them, which is um, very unfortunate. And again, when you're going on those journeys to fight the bigger monsters, you can end up losing all of your supplies and all of your die. So it, it's very fun. Cool. So it looks I'm, like it's a lot of fun. So I'm going to do something real quick. Give me one second, I promise. It won't take very long. <laughs> I'm going to try and prevent us from getting another stupid. Um, uh, oh, maybe I can't do it. I'll figure it out later. I was gonna say I was gonna, <laughs> I was gonna um, invert the trailer so I don't get another stupid copyright <laughs> claim. But whatever. I guess we'll get another copyright claim. Um, <laughs> it was like easy for you to say. <laughs> I did dispute all of them and win all of them. But anyway, so this this show is one of the most bizarre shows I've ever watched. But I really enjoyed it. All right. The, the whole premise behind it is that this girl is murdered, um, would be Laura Palmer, and she shows up on the beach, or on the shore, I guess, basically in giant saran wrap, like medical grade saran wrap. This commercial is like, is almost weirder than the show. Anyways, um, <laughs> I don't remember this commercial. Okay, so the the whole the whole thing is like set up as like a mystery sci-fi, but done in like a soap opera style show, which is <laughs> makes it the most quirky show I've ever watched in my life. But um, the sci-fi slash mystery elements of it, it's almost like like the two worlds oh, colliding is. made the most interesting but weird television of the nineteen nineties. Uh, and the characters are unforgettable. Once you've seen this show, like the characters are. Just, you'll never see them as anything but that character going mm -hmm. forward. Like, there's some characters from Stargate SG-1 that came off of this. Um, and then there's some characters that, like, I don't know how to describe the show very well. But it is really good. Okay. Twin Peaks. I watched the whole thing. It's like, um, the intro is like a... Uh, overview of a town like from a helicopter view and it's just like this music that you would expect to hear in like the 80s synth type music <laughs> playing over it it's like this super peaceful sound but like there's all these quirky and creepy and horrible things going on in this town <laughs> and special agent um uh the guy the character played by uh Tom mclaughlin you ever you know who that is no uh have you seen how i met your mother or mm -hmm. or doom or Dune, Dune, not Doom. Um, he plays characters in both of those shows. There it is. 
this is the guy. Oh yeah, I recognize this character. Yeah, so he oh, plays. That is, he now. plays detective. Um, what the heck is his, uh, Special Agent Cooper? Special Agent Cooper. That's what it is. Um, and he is like the best character on the whole show because he's like this happy-go-lucky kind of naive detective trying to solve the case. And really, it's just like supernatural stuff is going on. But the whole time, he maintains his positive composure. And his ending made me like, I can't even say it. Okay, the ending was like, <laughs> whoa. <laughs> and then the show just abruptly ended after season two. They just cancel it. Like this is too weird for television right now in the nineteen nineties. Kind of like SWAT. Didn't Cats. they make a movie? Uh, I guess a okay. movie or something. There is a lot of of. Uh, what I'm going to call um, fan service for people who like the show and that they mm-hmm. made a full length movie and it was more of like an action thriller, which was like, whoa. Okay. <laughs> and then um, they made a new season in 2017, 2018 timeframe that wasn't the same soap opera, quirky mystery thriller style show that they had before. It was actually kind of a, um, I don't want to say this. Um, re, it was like a re, like how everybody does a reboot of a show. They were mm-hmm. making fun of that, but also mm-hmm. making a kind of a serious continuation of the original show. Okay. The creators of the show are, are two of the most strange and interesting writers I've ever watched. But they've also released like diaries and fictional stories, and also what they consider Twin Peaks canon. And I don't know. <laughs> It's all over the place. But the original show is what I'm kind of recommending tonight. Twin Peaks from the 1990s, season one and two. Iconic television series. Really interesting, but also very slow. My wife was not willing to sit through this show with me. Let's put it that way. It was a little (laughs) too slow for her. A little too quirky. For me, it was like, ooh, I like this. I can kind of sit back, watch it, catch some things, not catch some things. It was just quirky and good and my kind of show so if you're into weird shows from the 1990s sci-fi mystery thriller but also like i don't know it's the only show like this so if you you, it sounds appealing try out the first episode and give it a shot (laughs) any idea if it's on netflix or hulu it was on netflix i wonder if it's still i kind of want to go check it out yeah, it's I mean, really I've heard odd. a lot of good things about this show. So. It's really odd. All right, let's see. Streaming. Yeah, it's on Netflix, Hulu, and right, CBS, then. apparently. Yeah. I'm probably going to start watching something tomorrow. <laughs> I'm signing off. <laughs> All right. Well, um, we want to thank Zio for being a good guest on this podcast. Thank you. Um, I want to say thank you for having me, so... Make sure you guys go check out his channel. It's been a lot of fun being here this week, and uh, you know this is my Mm -hmm. first collab, so I was definitely excited to be here. So, oh, you've never done a collab before? (laughs) Never done it. Thought about it, didn't know who to ever even do anything with, (laughs) and uh, (laughs) this this just happened to you know fall in my lap, so went with it. (laughs) Yeah, we appreciate you coming on here. It's been really fun. Thanks, everybody. Go check out Zio Gaming. Um, If you don't. Then go ahead and unsubscribe from us as well. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. But for all the latest gaming news, go to twitter.com slash ZOTGT. He'll let you know every time he releases a video. Mm-hmm. Or you can attempt to rely on YouTube to give you a notification. But as yeah. always, that doesn't necessarily work. 
Yeah. Oh, I forgot. I released my Donkey Kong Country retrospective, the first video. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was good. Everybody needs to go check it out. <laughs> Surprisingly. Show that off real quick. Yeah, well. I can't believe I forgot to tell everybody about that. I was going to do it on the Monday episode, and I totally forgot. Let's see. So it's really short, two minutes, you know, worth your time to watch. Hey, 15 subs. Sweet. It was only at nine this morning. Um, I'm pretty sure it's going to get copyright struck at some point because I used some Donkey Kong Country music in the background. But <laughs> this is kind of the style yeah. format. It's got some narration going on. Um, and uh, yeah, if you feel like a retrospective on the Donkey Kong Country series hasn't already been done too many times, go check out my video. <laughs> well, I mean, be honest, the others are probably like 10 to 15 minutes long, and this one's what, two? So. Yeah. I'm going to cover like one game per video. So like the next one might be like five to ten minutes. And then following that, you know, just depend on how long I feel like covering each game. But this one was mm. short because it's just like an intro to the series. So, yeah, go check that out. And, yeah. uh, and Zio, go check out Zio. Yeah, definitely come over here and subscribe. <laughs> Let's get him to that Do 100 subs so he can get the uh, Zio Gaming URL. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm waiting on that, so <laughs> I'd be the first one to get there. There's many like me, but just me. I'm the best one, so. <laughs> just like we said, Nerd Talk, Dan was the best Nerd Talk. This is the best Zio for Zio Gaming. That's mm-hmm. right. All right. So, as always, I'm Chris. And I'm Will. And I'm Zio. And we will see you on the next Grillcast. Cool.